This podcast may contain some language not suitable for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome to the Slap Dead Roof Show with your host, Evix24. Eric here. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We got a lot to talk about. Um, this is the... I knew the pre... If you watched... If you listen to our previous... Watch. Listen to our previous episode, you know that I was not going to make another podcast until I finish up college. Well, guess what? I just finished graduating college two weeks ago, and I've been busy a lot. Probably after this podcast, I'm probably going to go do some Twitch streaming. But I did want to make the pod... Want to make the episode because I want to talk about a lot of things today. Obviously, before we get into it, we... Today's episode, we are going to talk about the NASCAR season up until the halfway point because we are halfway through the regular season. And we're going to talk about, you know, what to expect for the regular rest of the regular season. Um, we will also talk about the All-Star Race because the All-Star Race was, oh boy, uh, we needed to, we have to talk about that because it's not very good looking. And we will also talk about my Dover experiences. Uh, as well, because I think, I think, because um, uh, we went to Dover, of course, in May 1st, and I, I'm going to, we're going to talk about that as well. So this is, that's all the episode we're talking about. I know I promised everyone, before we get into this, I know I promised everyone I would be making more episodes, and I will make the time to make more episodes. I will also see if I can try to maybe record some of the episodes so you can put it up on, so I can put them up on YouTube, because I think it would be nice if we could do something like that. And then, of course, like I said, I will be, I will also Twitch streaming. Make sure you follow me at twitch.tv slash evix24. Of course, well, I'm going to be back streaming again. I think we're going to do some Rocket League. I have no idea what the heck we're going to do. Uh, but there's something something similar will be coming our way. And for all the people who are listening to RSS, thank you so much for listening to to uh, us. Make sure you, and of course, if you are on Spotify Podcast, we are on there. Make sure you like us on there. That lets me know that you guys are listening to this podcast as well. And without further ado, let's just get right into it because we have a lot to cover up until this point. I guess before we get into the out, before we get talk about what um, all the races up until this point, we gotta start off with some big news today. Um, As I'm recording this podcast at the time, um, a huge, huge announcement. Uh, that just came out today, so I thought we would start off with that before we get into the rest of the 20, uh, before we get to talk about the the season up until this point. Um, Kimi Raikkonen is going to make his NASCAR Cup Series debut in, in a Watkins Glen in late August. Yes, that is right. Kimi Raikkonen, the F1 legend, 2000, the 2007 Formula 1 world champion, a guy that everybody... Likes great personality and all. Uh, he will be able to drive in the NASCAR Cup Series for Team Trackhouse. Um, before, before I maybe I'll talk about Team Trackhouse for a little bit. Track Team Trackhouse. We'll talk about that team and their drivers in a little bit. But Team Trackhouse has announced, I think, earlier this week at the recording that they were going to do a third entry called Project 91, inviting drivers from other international motorsports practices to try and they want to give the NASCAR a good shot. And 
Justin Marks, the team owner, was in Switzerland uh, trying to recruit drivers. And a lot of people thought maybe Daniel Ricciardo could be a potential suitor. A lot of people thought he could do it. Uh, but they said they were planning on doing a race this year. Maybe more if they can get more drivers there. And it, today the announcement just came in. Kimi Raikkonen is going to be the first one to go. Oh my goodness me. Kimi Raikkonen. Now, Kimi has had some NASCAR experiences uh, back when he quote-unquote retired or left Ferrari, basically. Um, he tried other forms of sports, including a one-off appearance in NASCAR. But he only raced in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, back in 2011, he ran at Charlotte. He ran the Truck Series race, and then he ran the Xfinity race. What well, was the Nationwide Series, but there's Xfinity now. Um, in 2011. Kimmy has not been... Kimmy also have said, I think, in one year, I think Jeff Gluck, I think, quoted him and said, he wants to try the, the Cup Series. Well, now Kimmy is going to get that chance. Kimmy Raikkonen is going to be racing along competitors such as Kyle Larson, uh, Kyle Busch, uh, Kurt Busch, William Byron. Oh, my goodness me. And... What a, pro I guess, a really interesting track. I, I'm glad Kimmy chose the road course. It's glad, I guess that's the way that his schedule goes. You would think he would try an oval, but I'm going to guess that I think most of the F1 drivers would love to try a road course, especially because the new next-gen car works good at the road courses. So I think Kimmy says, you know what, I think I'll try my I'll try my hands on that. Um, would be it, I would love to see Kimmy try an oval, um, especially with the Cup Series, because I think the oval racing has been, like I said, the mile and a half. Well, we will talk about it as a whole, but let's just get right into, but getting back to the point, Kimmy, I think this is going to be really awesome to see Kimmy Raikkonen uh, be walking. This is a huge, huge moment for NASCAR. You got one of, and this is what I've been waiting, for, what us fans have been waiting for. We want to see not only road course winners, but we want to see international flair. We want to see stars try this car. Because, like I said, some F1 drivers want to do it. That's why I said Daniel Ricciardo should be getting behind the wheel of one of these things. I mean, it's unbelievable. And and actually, recently, uh, if you look in F1, they released uh, Mick Schumacher, Kevin Magnussen, and Pietro Fittipaldi got to try their hands. Well, Kevin Magnussen already got to try his hands, but Kevin Magnussen got to try his hands once again. And NASCAR. But they were driving last year's car around the Charlotte Roval, which is a bit disappointing uh, because I would really like to see Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher drive the car. Maybe they kind of knew at the time that this is their car, this is the old car. You know, we would love to get you guys in the new car. I would love to see Ke uh, Kevin Magnussen or Mick Schumacher also get behind the wheel of those cars, those next-gen cars. Kimi Raikkonen, this is where I think it's going to – this is where I think it's going to be really good. This is great. We're finally going to see how the next-gen car does. This car could be the ticket for any international star that wants to give it a shot at NASCAR, especially on road courses. Kimi Raikkonen could... And like I said, Trackhouse Racing, they have competitive equipment. That's a competitive car. We're going to talk about, you know... We're going to talk about it a little bit, but they have been... But just a spoiler, a little bit of a preview, they've been really good the last... Um, was in nine races. I think we left. I think we left off at Phoenix before Atlanta. So we have eight races. So nine races have been passed. But in those last nine races, Trackhouse have been really competitive. 
or they have been competitive all year long. So that's a competitive race car. So this is going to be really good to see Kimi Raikkonen in some competitive equipment try to maybe run around a little bit. So I cannot wait to see what Kimi Raikkonen can do in NASCAR um, in the Cup Series in general. I mean, first time he's racing a NASCAR in 12 years. In, I should say 11 years, but man, it's going to be great to see Kimi Raikkonen. And also be at Watkins Glen, so one of the best NASCAR tracks as well. Now I'm really considering heading to Watkins Glen uh, because that might be my move to go because Watkins Glen is only four hours away. We did head to Dover. We will talk about that in a little at the end of the pod, at the end of the show. But man, Watkins Glen has been voted as the best NASCAR track of all time. <laughs> um, so we and people and people and people who've gone there, they said that yeah, they do have good fan environments. So. Gonna be great to see the Icemen heading to Watkins Glen. So, Kimi Raikkonen will be driving for Team Trackhouse in the Project 91 Chevrolet. Hopefully, we get some sponsors and merchandise before then. I'm sure we're gonna get some. And, uh, and it'll be on Sunday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on the USA Network. It might get forced to NBC because Kimi Raikkonen's there, but once again, Kimi, like I said, Kimi Raikkonen is going to make his NASCAR Cup Series debut at Watkins Glen for Team Trackhouse. Who would have thought of that on the cards this year? And I haven't even talked about the team yet. So, yeah, so that's the big announcement. I want to get that thing out of the way. So let's get on with the rest of the episodes, rest of the season up until that point. We left off um, with Phoenix, and I did briefly talk about Atlanta. So I guess the first thing's first. Oh, before we get into before we get into it, I will probably we're, another thing as well. I forgot to mention this. As well, we are thirteen races in into the season, and we have the All Star race. By the way, we're halfway through the regular season. There's thirteen races to go before the playoffs. I know, right? Like at the time of recording this, we're halfway through the regular season. Sundays begins the second half of the regular season, and. There's a lot of drivers that I'm a little concerned with, but we will get to those drivers in a little bit. Um, but first off, we're going to go over the winners. I think how I'm going to do this, I'm just going to go over the winners, who, where they won at which track, and then maybe talk about the race a little bit as well. And then we'll talk. We'll look at the point standings, see where the drivers are at, and maybe give some critique, um, critique concerns or whatever it is. Whatever we go from there. Alright. So let's begin with... Uh, I guess we can begin with uh, the last uh, episode. Because there was one driver that I was critiquing... Was... Um, that I was... Absolutely mad at. And that is William Byron. Because I knew the pick... Because I was shouting at the pick crew. The pick crew was terrible. One race. Then they had trouble. And I was a little concerned for them. You know... I knew they had good equipment. I just didn't know what, what how they were going to do it. Well, at Atlanta, the pit crew did the job. And, well, Byron won the race in the first race at Atlanta. So that was race five. Let's talk briefly talk about Atlanta for a little bit. Atlanta, a lot of people thought that heading into the season, um, Atlanta was going to be probably similar they were trying to aim for a mini daytona talladega and the drivers were like 
yeah, there's going to be no pack race. There's going to be no pack racing or something like that. Well, if you watch the race in Atlanta, there's pack racing. It's basically a mini Daytona at Talladega. The, the only difference is that you're lifting in the corners and the pack is much tighter than Daytona. There's no... You're on edge. Um, you're on edge, basically. Daytona Talladega, you kind of, you know, they're long, but Atlanta's, like I said, it's a one half, it's a mile and a half. Oh my goodness me, it is like watching, I mean, Daytona Talladega. Wow. I, it's just, the drivers don't like it because that basically means Atlanta, we have to consider Atlanta as a super speed. But look at the schedule, though, um, in general with Atlanta. Um, uh, now we have six super speedways on the schedule. Then we have three well we had four short tracks if you count martin's um not martinsville the clash the coliseum the clash the coliseum uh we have a couple mile and a half i think we have six road courses on the schedule seven six or seven road courses i believe we go to a mile and a half i think 13 times i could be wrong i could be right 10 mile and a halfs then you get to the super speedways, and then you get to the ones like the tracks, like the wild cards, like Gateway, New Hampshire, Pocono, and all that. So it really balances it out. So the schedule is very, very balanced, uh, which is good. I think it's something that's the most balanced schedule in the NASCAR Cup Series. And then, of course, you gotta also have the dirt race as well. I forgot to mention that as well. But we will talk about the dirt race too. Uh, but man, Atlanta, pff, yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable so yeah atlanta is gonna be fun with a super speedway race and all that um i thought the race at atlanta was pretty good i think it was pretty good it w it did its job i know the drivers don't like it but they had a great crowd and well it was fun to watch the only thing i think my uh critique about it was don't do 500 miles we have too many 500 mile like races uh for daytona talladega i mean there's only three really they should there should not four please make atlanta shorter i think 250 laps or i think 400 miles sounds pretty good we'll see how it goes in late july when it's really hot and it's gonna be really slick we'll see how atlanta goes because i would love to see how um Atlanta goes in late in the early summer. But, hey, you know, that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. So, Atlanta is going to be definitely a one to watch. So, good job for Atlanta. So, Byron, but Byron gets his first win. First win Atlanta as well. And he actually got another one at Martinsville. So, Byron not only won, thankfully, a super speedway twice. An intermediate once at Homestead. And now he's won a short track in Martinsville. Martinsville was a little different, though. Um, it was cold. It was Saturday night. It was 400 laps, and it was cold. It was very, very cold. In the Northeast, in April spring night, it was cold. Probably one of the coldest races I think that ever had. The tires didn't really get up to temperature. You couldn't really bump each other. The cars, because they're six, they were actually at lower horsepower in the um, in Martinsville. You couldn't bump the guy out of the way, um, and they were shifting. So it wasn't really that well and elliot led for a good part of the race from the drop of the green flag to start the race how byron got the lead then you asked well his pit crew got him out first <laughs> yep 
The pit crew want him the race. I can't believe I said that. The pit crew, the pit crew want him the race. They actually did a good job. The pit crew's been doing fantastic. Uh, so Byron's got two wins. He's sitting pretty good in fourth in the points. Halfway through the regular in the overall points, by the way. The driver points because that's an extra couple playoff points as well. Speaking of playoff points, at the playoff standings at the halfway mark, William Byron sits first in the playoff standings. So this is the first time, I think in a while, I've seen the 24 car in first. The last time I think I've seen that happen was, I think, when Jeff Gordon won his last race. Never I thought it would see that happen. And a lot of people have been saying, I think, heading into the halfway through the regular season, I think William Byron is kind of the champion, the favorite, heading in the championship favorite heading into the next 13 races. The only concern that I have for William Byron, the last few races, they've won, they've led laps, but they've been having bad luck. Um, I remember Talladega, he led a lot of laps, then they got freight trained back, on the I think, on the last lap, and then they got caught up in the last lap wreck where they led a lot. And then, uh, then the next week at Dover, they... Shoot, they shot themselves with Byron, lost it, and got on the wall and ruined his primary car. They had to go to the backup. Darlington, he was leading with two laps to go when I guess we we're going to talk about, which we'll get to in just a second, where Logano bumped him out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I was not happy about that. And he was, oh, and by the way, in that race, William Byron ran the uh, Jeff Gordon Flames, blue and red Flames. That would have been their first time, and I was urging Exulta to run that car. They finally did. It was one lap away from getting the perfect send-off it needs. I really hope they run this paint scheme again. I would like to see them run it again at Pocono, but I don't think it's going to happen. But we will talk about the Darlington moment in just a little bit. And then at Kansas, they were leading, and he had a flat tire while leading. They've had tire issues. Well, we'll talk about that as well because Kansas was a bit of a pain in the butt. So, yep, William Byron, though. If they can if they could shake it off a little bit, I am confident William Byron could probably win. He could probably win at least two or three more races before the playoffs start. I can see him winning Charlotte. He's got a good chance of winning a Charlotte for the Coke 600. I can see him winning at one of the road courses. Uh, we got a lot of road courses left on the schedule. He is really good at road courses. Um, definitely Pocono. I'm looking for redemption in Pocono. Um, and then, of course, we got Daytona and Atlanta again. So I still think that William Byron could definitely win a lot more races. So you better keep it on that 24 car. I guess we'll go to the other guy that has a multi-win season, and that is Ross Chastain. Yes, Team Trackhouse. So not only that... So, obviously, the recent news that they will have Kimi Raikkonen for Watkins Glen. Team Trackhouse is good. They're a good team. And you would have thought after two years now, Pitbull and Michael Jordan would have a have our winning team owners. I would slap you silly. But here we are. Ross Chastain gets is a multi-time cup winner. He won twice. So, the first one he got was in Circuit of the Americas. Great race at Circuit of the Americas. I think it definitely deserves its spot on the schedule. We will talk about the other track that it placed on the schedule, Texas Motor Speedway, a little bit because, well, spoiler alert, it is really bad. It is really bad. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. 
Dakota was really good. I think it was a fantastic race. It was the first race with the next-gen car on a road course, and I think the drivers said they loved it. They loved it, and they thought it would drive very well. And it was a good finish, too, because Chastain had a battle A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Bowman. Bowman was right there, and um, getting almost backed to another win. And then on the second-to-last corner of the last lap, Chastain bumped the dinger, which then bumped it to Bowman, and then Chastain went out to win. At Talladega, Chastain was the very lucky one because Jones, Eric Jones was leading the final core with Larson, and he was, I think, sitting in the third car on the inside line. Almost kind of blocked Kurt Busch there a little bit, and then when Larson made the move and Jones made the block, Chastain, he made to make the block. It opened the door for Chastain to say, see you later, thank you very much, and he took the win away. <laughs> so, oh, that was bad. I felt bad there for Jones because it's like, why did you move up? He should have, I mean, he moved up to try to prevent Larson for the run. I think Larson would have probably not got him. But, uh, yeah, so Chastain gets two wins this year. Team Trackhouse has had some pretty good speed. Again, like I said, I never expected Team Trackhouse to have a competitive car. And Chastain's been really competitive right now. He's currently, he's sitting second in the playoff standings. He's in fifth in points, which is pretty damn, damn good for Ross Chastain. Better than he was last year. And I think he's got a pretty competitive car. Again, another guy that I think who could technically win the championship. I really hate to say that, but... Man, he looks really good. So, don't be surprised if Team Track uh, Chastain is a favorite. Um, he's been running very, very well. Um, another thing as well, I'm hoping his teammate Daniel Suarez. Suarez has had some good runs, but they've been just getting they've been just get snake bitten with bad luck. Um, I think Daniel Suarez still can win a race in that car. So, I'm hoping Daniel Suarez can get in the can win soon because I would love to see it. Because he deserves a chance to win a race. I, I think he needs to win at some point. So, like I said, it is his team. But Chastain's been winning the races. So, I'm really hoping Daniel Suarez can come through and win. But good run for Chastain. He won't, wins. Um, I guess we could talk about Joey Logano next. Because I did briefly mention Logano got his win at Darlington. Of course, the move that he made... He bumped William Byron out of the way. I guess the story goes to Darlington. Darlington had a pretty good race as well. I gotta say, you know, um, maybe I should have just said this said this as well before the before I started talking about the races. All the races up till maybe if I don't count the All Star race, all the points paying races with the new car have been absolutely fantastic. I I gotta say, overall, it's been exceptional. The new car works. It really works. Um, we'll talk about Texas, though, in a little bit. But so far, so good with the points-paying races. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Darlington had a pretty good race. Uh, so I guess what happened was in the final restart with 26 to go, Byron kind of and Logano were both racing aggressively. Logano got on the wall. Byron kind of split up there. Logano got on the wall. It was, pretty, it was a racing incident, but... Then Logano decided to repay the favor to William Byron and bumped him in and put him in the wall. With two laps to go, or they were coming for the white flag anyways. They were coming for the last lap anyways, but yeah. And Byron was not happy about it because he finished 13th. And that was a race that Byron could have either finished second. So 
Byron was not happy about it because even if he lost the race, you know, he probably deserved a second place finish instead of a 13th place finish because some guy was an idiot. And Logano said, oh, it was just payback. And so, like, Byron didn't think that it was. And then here's the funny thing. The next, very next week at Kansas, when William Byron was charging through the field, he and Logano were battling each other, and Logano just let him go and rather away. What a... I, this is unbelievable. Like, you're saying the mean stuff, and you're letting William Byron pass the guy who was mad you passed you. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Why would you do that? Like, how like I, 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 def, I definitely know William Byron does deserve a free shot at Logano. So I'm waiting for the day that he gets that chance because I think he deserves a chance to go ahead and uh, pay him back. So. We're going to wait for the day, but Logano better be keeping on his toes, man. I mean, that's unbelievable. How in the world did he did he not do that? Did he, um, how in the world does he not fold up? He doesn't know up his words, so he's a chicken racer. That's what he is. Of course, that's again, that's us, that's a guy from Connecticut, so. Uh, I'm going to be giving him, I'm not going to give him that same look when uh, I see him. <laughs> um, let's see here. Any new winners? Okay, Kyle Bush. I guess we'll talk about Kyle Bush a little bit. Um, because Kyle Bush did get that win. He won a dirt Bristol. Oh, I feel bad for Tyler Reddick, though. Oh, my goodness me. Um, as you know, I think I said this too. Tyler Reddick is a great guy. I think he could win a race. We'll talk about him a little bit, but Reddick was about a lap and a half of winning, and he and Chase Briscoe battled so good till the very end. And then Briscoe just die bumps him and takes him out. They took Bo himself out, and he took Tyler Reddick out for the win. Reddick then drove, got it going and drove off, but then Kyle Busch stole the win away on the last lap. <laughs> I felt I felt so bad for Kyle Reddick. He was a few yards away, and Kyle Busch was like he took it away, basically. Oh, that felt that was terrible. Oh, you gotta feel bad for Reddick, man. Oh man, another one that just. Ugh. But Kyle Busch does get that first win of the year. Probably not going to be the... I'm going to say this could be the last time we see M&Ms on, in victory lane as well. Keep in mind as well, Kyle Busch is still is in his last... Also in his last deal with Joe Gibbs Racing. He is a free agent after this year. Uh, and also the other thing, this is also the last year for M&Ms. They're not renewing their contract. Joe Gibbs is... They got some sponsorship lined up. They said they have, they ha are getting closer to an agreement with a major technology company, but that's going to be an associate sponsor, and that may only sponsor a partial schedule. Um, but again, Mars Chocolate will not be on the car. M&Ms, so no more M&Ms on the race car after this year. M&Ms, oh, Mars will also be the primary sponsor for Pocono. It'll be the M&Ms 400, or Fan Appreciation 400, but whatever. Um for the last race of the season for their last year at, um, in NASCAR. So it's sad to see Eminem's um, go, but Kyle Busch gets that win. Um, we'll talk about Joe Gibbs in a minute as well, because I think we need to need to touch base on touch base on a few. Let's get on to Denny Hamlin um, as well. Denny Hamlin won on his home track at Richmond. He did this by strategy, actually. Um, I think it was the last green flag run with 100 laps. Again, Richmond had another good race. Um, 
100 laps to go and or maybe it was less than 50 to go you it was basically like the tire war with lewis hamilton do you pit for fresh tires and hope you catch about or do you stay out hamlin and harvick pitted while truex and actually william byron stayed out and hamlin got made up his lap and ran down william byron he passed and hamlin passed to byron with three laps to go in the race and hamlin went on to win the race he yelled off kevin harvick actually and was able to get that win but it's not been a good season for hamlin i mean the start of the season it's been terrible hamlin last year led the points he was the regular and he was consistent he was the most consistent driver in the nascar cup series and yet he's been having troubles so although he is a team winner because we will talk about the other guy in just a little bit um but kurt but um hamlin just yeah, it's not been a good season. He's been getting better this year, but JGR has not had a great season. I think even the, I don't know what it is, but we will talk about the rest of the drivers in a little bit, um, in a little bit. But really, 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 um, Hamlin's gonna get better. We'll see how the second half of the regular season goes. But Hamlin, he was leading the points. He's now twentieth, but he does have that win in. I think if Hamlin didn't have that win, he would be like twenty fifth in points. So. That does show you how that big win helps you in the playoffs. So, again, you know, you could be doing so-so, but if you got that win, you're in. So, um, we'll see if Hamlin can try to improve on that uh, because he needs to get up in the standings. And we'll talk about the guy that he hired to drive for his team, Kurt Busch. He won at Kansas. Kurt Busch won. And funny thing about that is that he had air drew the jordan brand the air jordan brand on his car michael jordan decided to put his brand on kurt Busch's car well michael jordan didn't want to didn't do that just so that the, he could lose that race <laughs> how ironic the first race that they did that he won <laughs> and it was really great to see kurt bush get that second win for 2311 racing the first win um for 2311 race this year second win that but first win for that new team and wow, Kurt Busch is like, like I said, it doesn't. It shows you how Kurt Busch is very versatile for whichever team he drove. Drove. I remember he drove for Ganassi, and uh, he still puts that car in that one car, that one car that he used to drive, that one car driven by McMurray. He couldn't really get in the playoffs, and when Kurt Busch came in, he won. He won like a couple races. He won. He kept. He basically made that car competitive again, which. Is fantastic it's something that needs to be said and done so again obviously a tough start with toyota and 2311 but he got it done but i will talk about the comment that danny hamlin made in a little minute because hamlin said they failed him i don't think it's true but we'll get to talk about that as we'll talk about the other drivers as well but Again, another good win for Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch definitely deserves that race win, and I think he deserves it. So, we'll see how he goes. We'll see how he goes for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about Chase. I know Chase Elliott won at Dover. I think if you were following the season, we're going to talk about Dover, but I'm going to say Dover for last because that's where we win our race day experiences are. So, we're going to save Chase Elliott for last uh, for this one. Well, I'll briefly talk about Chase Elliott. I guess he did win a Dover. Um, first win for the old, first win on an oval for Chase Elliott since he won the championship. That is true, because remember, Chase Elliott won two road courses last year. So 
Good to see Elliot in the Hendrick Motorsports program um, finally get a win in the Oval. So I'm very glad to see that. And Elliot, of course, is leading the points right now as it stands from through 13 races. Will he stay up there is the question. I don't really know. Uh, but again, another great season for Elliot. I would say he's the worst. The I wouldn't say he's the worst. The Hendrick Bunch. The Hendrick Bunch has been pretty. They're still competitive, but I think Elliot's probably the one that's lagging behind. But I mean, Elliot's leading the points, so I think he's doing pretty good. So <laughs> whatever. I guess that's the way it is. All right. So now when I'm looking at the, I'm gonna look at the point standings, and I'm gonna go through the drivers that I haven't talked about yet. And, um, or maybe I'll describe the drivers a little bit briefly, their season, whatever, go, whatever goes, and maybe touch base on a few of the drivers, um, any big headlines for, from them or anything like that. We're going to look at the point standings right now. Uh, let's go through the list. Uh, we start with second Ryan Blaine. We are going to talk about Blaine a little bit. Uh, Blaine now is the only winless Penske guy. He still is very consistent. He sits second in points. He did win the All-Star Race yesterday. We will talk about the All-Star Race after we go through the drivers because we do did. Um, but again, I think I still expect Blaine to win. It's not been a good start for Penske lately, uh, but they have been getting better. But again, usually the Penske cars have been so-so lately this season. But Blaine is still pretty much leading the Penske punch, bunch in the points, so... Uh, actually, no, there's actually two Petsky cars. So I think Petsky's been doing pretty well, but that's the case. So Byron's fourth, Chastain is in fifth. Martin Truex Jr. is in sixth in points, which I am very surprised that Truex is in sixth in points, and yet he hasn't won yet. Um, I wouldn't say he's the worst Gibbs car, but that's really weird to not see Martin Truex not win a race yet this year. In the first 13 races. And a lot of people. Rumor has it that he could be retiring. This could be the it for Truex. Um, we don't know obviously. But that's something interesting. I mean Truex is still sitting in the top 6 of po 10 points. Which is not pretty good. But I don't know. This is where I think I'm a little concerned with. And we'll explain why in a little bit. I did talk about Logano. Alex Bowman Kyle Larson next. So Bowman and Larson. They're also, um, they've really been, Larson's been consistent now, and Bowman has been getting better in his average finishes. Um, Larson, again, had a fantastic race at Kansas, man. But in the All-Star race, he just, I mean, we'll see how he does for the rest of the regular season. It's going to be interesting to see how, what the Henry cars end up doing, if they're going to win more races. I know definitely Larson, Bowman, and Ellie and Byron are capable of winning races. It's just going to depend on who wins more. I don't think Larson's going to win. I think Larson's going to win another race. Um, win a race or two by um, in the next 13 races. But, you know, again, it's very hard to repeat as champion because there's new stuff. So, again, that's the deal. But I think Bowman and B Larson and Ellie and Byron should be able to win another race by then. And I guess I'll talk about the fourth Gibbs car of Christopher Bell. Bell's got a couple poles. He's had some good runs. Um, but he's had some bad luck lately. Um, again, you know, he sits top 10 in points, which is not bad. But we will get to the playoff standings and we'll see. And you're going to understand why, you know, the win matters. 
Kevin Harvick sits in 11th. This is a disappointing d year for Sir Haas. I mean, yeah, Chase Briscoe, and of course, if you were there for the if you haven't heard from the last podcast, um, Chase Briscoe got his first win at Phoenix. Um, it's not been a really good season for Sir Haas overall. I, I think Harvick can still. Harvick's not had a pretty good start to the season. I would expect Harvick to at least try to compete for a win. Besides the uh, Richmond race, I don't think Harvick's got a chance to win. Kind of had a chance, a sniffing chance of win, winning. I really hope Harvick can figure out a way to get a win because, like I said, we'll get to the playoff standings in a little bit. Same goes with Eric Amarola. I know this is last year. He's done pretty well, I would say, at least 12 in points. I think it's pretty good. Austin Dillon's in 13th. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Oh, I just looked at the point standings right now, and Chase was just at 14th, but Dillon's is 13th in the point standings. That's pretty dang good uh, for Dillon because Dillon has not been – he's done pretty average this year. I thought the RCR guys would be at least a little better because I, I thought Redick, his teammate, would be beating him, but Redick is 15th, which is – oh, he's tied with Briscoe. That's the reason why. But – um. Dang, Reddick, I would I thought Reddick would at least be outperforming Dylan, but alright. So we have Reddick there in 15th. We have Cindric in 16th, which of course Cindric won the daytime 500. He's getting like I said, it's his first full year, guys. So again, it's understandable he's gonna have some growing pains. So I'm gonna give him a little bit of a pass. He's done pretty good, I think, in his first year. And he did really well in the all-star race as well. So I would say he did a I'm gonna hope that. Cedric, if he could do pretty, pretty decent, and then rest of the regular season, I think he could be a pretty good. He'll be pretty set for the playoffs. I don't think he's gonna go that far, but again, we'll have to wait and see. Kurt Busch sits in 18th, but he's already got that win. We'll have to talk about him. Eric Jones is a good one to talk about because that Petty GMS uh, alliance has been fantastic. Um, Eric Jones has been pretty good. I think he could be one of those guys who could be threatening on um, the playoff grid as for a win. I think he's got the capable equipment of doing it. And, uh, well, he's also on the storylines because if you watched the Kansas race um, last uh, few weeks ago, uh, but I'll just tell you this now, they had a Valtteri Bottas moment in Monaco. If you remember last year in Monaco, because this week is the Monaco Grand Prix, um, well, at the time of recording this, this weekend is the Monaco Grand Prix, the 8500, the Coke 600. We'll probably end off this show by doing my picks, but back to what I was saying. They had a moment where, you know, the, what happened last year in Monaco with Valtteri Bottas. They couldn't get the wheel off. It happened to Eric Jones. Now, they knew the crew know, knew it on the last pit stop, so they literally <laughs> they saw the wheel. It took him about 10 minutes, I think, to get that wheel off. And finally, they just got it off. So he lost, Jones lost seven laps, but they did get that wheel off. So I guess the one thing for the Mercy, and it was like, oh my goodness, have they called the Mercedes pit crew? Maybe they could give them information because we knew about, they. I guess they didn't mention it in the broadcast. They should have mentioned that in the broadcast. Um, I don't know why anyone forgot about that, but yeah. So they had that moment. So you could probably find it on YouTube and... Yeah, so exactly the same thing happened. Same thing happened to Valtteri Bottas Monaco. The like literally the the single lug was fused into the rear well, well to the point where they had to saw the tire out to get that um, to get the wheel off. So they got it, and uh, yeah. So what a what a day! What a great 
uh, thing. So I kind of knew that it was going to happen. Um, so poor Eric Jones. But I do expect to see Eric Jones threatening the playoff grid. In, and what I mean by that is upset it by winning. So there it is. 18th is Kurt Busch. We talked about him. 19th is Daniel Suarez. Again, I'm really hoping. I know Chastain is the winner of these cars. I know Daniel Suarez can win races. He's got good equipment. They just been ran into some bad luck lately. Um, I really, really hope he can he can at least get a win somewhere because he needs. I would love because like I said, he's got good equipment. He's got to win soon. He probably knows it too. So, and then Denny Hamlin 20th. Uh, Busher, 21st. Bubba Wallace will talk about as well. Bubba has been getting better in consistency. But again, I think Bubba is going to have to win a race in order for him to make the playoffs. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. Justin Haley has done really good in the calling car. Uh, McDowell's actually had a pretty good, um, strong start. He's had some top 10 finishes the last couple of races. So... Again, I don't expect him to make the playoffs, but again, he's had a pretty good season, decent season, uh, to say at least the last year's Daytona 500 winner. Stenhouse 25th, uh, Ty Dillon 26th. It's been a bad season for Cole Custer. I cannot believe Cole Custer. He, he might be the first to go in Stratos because they might need a new change, and they may need one badly because Custer, he's just not doing really well in probably what it looks to be competitive equipment. Harrison Bird, 28th. Ty Dillon. Corey LaJoy is in 30th. But he did have some pretty good ones. But in 31st, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Brad Keselowski. It has not been a good season for RFK. Um, of course, guys, if you, if you haven't joined us the podcast, we're going to not keep it up with NASCAR. Brad Keselowski is, also, is the co-owner of, um, of Roush Fenway Racing. He owns it. So it's Robert Roush Fenway Keselowski. But... It's not been a good season. After Daytona, Keselowski hasn't... It just went down. After the Atlanta race, they took some cars to the RD center to make sure that the teams... Just to make sure how teams are doing, but how the cars behave. They found out... The, the guys found that his team was illegally modifying parts. The rear bumper. Now, but also, if you haven't joined us, well, the teams cannot fiddle with the parts. They cannot tamper with parts. Each and every team gets the same part, gets the same parts from one supplier each and every time. Cuts costs and reduce and hopefully evens the playing field a little bit. And exactly, they found that he was, that the rear body panels were not the correct specified. That Kozlowski lost 100 owner points, 100 driver points. He lost 10 playoff points. And he's sitting in 31st. Keselowski has to be in the top 30 in points in order for him to be playoff eligible, and he will have to win a race. There is no way Keselowski cannot point his way in after 30, in 13 races. He has to win. Otherwise, his season's already over. So it is very disappointing because I think I had Keselowski in my playoff grid. So, yeah, very tough, tough difficult uh, season for Keselowski in the, first, in the new era, I should say, of RFK. I guess now we'll talk about the All-Star Race uh, because that's something we need to talk about. And then we'll save Dover for last. Then maybe I'll move on to my Coke 600 picks. Um, yeah, I'm very disappointed with the All-Star Race. Uh, well, disappointed. I am very angry about it. That race was an absolute farce. 
It was embarrassing. Blaney ended up winning the race, but I'll just describe the race for you. The first, like I said, they segments, they broke it up to 25 stages, you know, everything like that. Um, with the pit crew competition, but they... The first 25 laps were basically boring because the field got spread out. Then after the then after that, that's where I guess things hit the fan. You could say Larson blew a tire, then Kyle Busch had a flat tire, then Chastain ran into him. Like I said, it was just so bad. The racing was there was no passing. There was no passing at Texas Motor Speedway. The other thing too, well, one thing's for sure too. There's two things on the list. I think from what we can take away from the All-Star Race. One, we should not be going to Texas Motor Speedway. That's it. Because the cars, the car, next car didn't help the racing at Texas Motor Speedway. It has to get off the set schedule. I'm sorry. It has to go. They, unfortunately, the radius clause in the contract, I know SMI is not going to do anything about it. And they're just plugging their ears saying, no, no, it's not the, that it, it, Texas Motor Speedway has to go. The repave didn't help the racing. It didn't help it. They have to, SMI has to be listening. I know they're trying not to listen to the fans and all that. And I know they're, again, but that's, they have to, you know, somebody has to tell them that it's bad. The racing's bad. You know, it's not about the money sometimes. It's all about, you know, making a good product. You know, I rather would go to Circuit of the Americas and watch a good road course race then go to Texas Motor Speedway again. So they got to do something about it uh, with Texas, whether it's taking it off the schedule or reconfiguring it. I know they were trying to reconfigure Auto Club into a short track, and now with the Auto Club being a good race and Texas Motor Speedway being crap and they already got the Coliseum, they might have to take the short track idea to Texas Motor Speedway. Why not make Texas Motor Speedway a short track? I think I would consider that to be an option. And then I think that it would probably help it because it needs a reconfiguration. The other thing to the other thing we learned from the All Star Race, we need a new we need a new way of doing the All Star Race. There's the way the All Star Race happened. There was just too many gimmicks, too many rules. By the way, and here's why: Ryan Blaney um, was leading the race. He dominated the race. He had the car to be. He had the race with the car. He had the car to beat. No one could catch him. He was out. Of, he was in the zip code. On the final lap, he was coming to the line, and then the caution comes out. Okay, so in normal NASCAR rules, the race is over, right? Well, forgot the All-Star race. They made the rule. The All-Star race cannot end under yellow, under caution. So they, it has to end under green flag. So they have to restart the race. They have to go to overtime. And the caution was because of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. blowing a tire. He had a flat tire, but he got up out of the groove there. He didn't actually hit the wall, but they were too quick with the button. Which, what I meant and why, and what I mean by that is that there's a button that the, in the official pit box, in the official's, official's box, that turns on the caution lights, basically. So, that was bad. Uh, what could be worse? Blaney thought the race was over. He undid his window net, thinking the race was over. And so, in the rules, you have to have your window net secured for the whole race until the race is over. Blaney 
unsecured it. So now he has to resecure his widow net under caution while leading. Now keep in mind as well, the all-star race, money's on the line. The winner of the race gets a million dollars. A million dollars. Oh my goodness me. So Blaney is trying to adjust his window net, and this is embarrassing because all the driver and all those fans are like, oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. It was so bad because number one, the caution came out, and then number two, they probably knew he done did his window net, and they probably, like I said, they had access to driver radio and all the TV cameras, NASCAR officially does. They probably knew he already undid it by accident. It happens. I was very surprised. They didn't let, so, and it's a non-points race as well. Can they, and they didn't ask Blaine to come down pit road um, to have him undid his window net, but that would be unfair. Because you can't have a guy lose a race because of <laughs> because he undid his window because he lo lose a million dollars because he undid his window net because he th thought the race was over, and then he fixed it at least quote unquote. Then they drop the green flag and then his window net goes undone, and Blaney carried on and he ended up winning the race, winning it, winning it officially. And a lot of drivers were not happy about it because, well, technically that is a safety breach. And it, yeah, it is true. NASCAR let Blaney get away with a safety breach. Now, thankfully, Blaney did not wreck. What if Blaney wrecked, by the way, got up in the air and over? Because that's what happened to Chastain when he ran back to Kyle Busch. He almost flipped over. How in the world did he not flip over? If you haven't seen that wreck, go check it out. But if Blaney wrecked, that would have been a bad issue. They let Blaney get away with a safety breach. That's a safety breach. He should have been disqualified for that. Well, or disqualified, but understandable, you know, case in point. But what NASCAR should have done, this is my opinion, it's a non-points race. I would have brought Blaine down pit road and said, okay, Blaine, you can come down pit road, have your crew member, you know, you know, untie your win um re you know, reattach your window net. Because you can't do it by yourself. You have to get someone else to do it. That's why you see crew members doing their window nets, because the drivers they can't do it by themselves. They have to get someone else to do it. It's very hard to do it by yourself. You have to have someone else to do it. That's the reason. You could take your window net down by yourself, but someone else has to put it on for you. Because I think the window net's supposed to be heavy. That's a safety breach. But again, they could have... And again, if it's down, it's a safety breach. But they could have brought Blaine down pit road, have him keep it spot, let him fix the window net because it's an odd points race. You might as well just let it. That'd be the fair thing to do. And that's what Hamlin and Hamlin even said as well because Hamlin actually finished second that, oh, NASCAR, they, you know, they should have black flag Blaney, you know, and all that. But he deserved the win anyway. So I know that, but you got to find some. That's a safety breach. You can't really, again, I'm saying this once and I'm going to say it again. That is a safety breach. He should have not, they should have not thrown the green flag. They should have allowed Blaine to come down pit road, have him reattach the wooden end, then come back and restart in the same position, in the same position in, well, while leading, and then we'll be fine. But that's because they didn't, they threw the yell out for some BS reason. And then, then they, they're, they modified how they changed, how they're going to call a caution, but they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to say, oh, we didn't see it. They saw it. They knew what happened. So they don't want to say, oh, we didn't want it. So again, it's embarrassing for NASCAR for the All-Star race to happen because it was so bad, everything, the fans were disgusted by it. And number two as well, Texas vs. Speedway is still on the schedule. It's a playoff race. It's in the round of 12. 
it and what I saw from Saturday or Sunday, I should say, or the last one was it didn't deserve to be on the schedule. They need to do something, blow it up and start scratch. First off, and here's my ideal point. First off, number one, move it out of Texas Motor Speedway. It needs to go to a new track. It needs to go to somewhere else. I mean, you could put it back at Bristol. You could even put it, I mean, for my opinion, let's put the All-Star Race back at Charlotte. I think no one complained about putting the All-Star Race in Charlotte. I think everyone's cool with it. I think it's great to have it at Charlotte. It also drives up the Coca-Cola 600 ticket sales because of it's the week before. I think it just makes total sense to have it at Charlotte. I don't know why that we do it. Plus, they have the, the, the teams have Fan Fest during the week of leading up to it. I think it just makes total sense to have it. I mean, put it back at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Please put it back at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's the, number, that's the first things first. The second thing, the segments. No gimmicks. No gimmicks. I like the four stages. Winner of each stage gets to start four stages, regardless of what happens, of 25 laps or something like that. You do have the pit crew challenge as well. Throw that in there in between the cautions or something like that. Maybe give them a check or check for money or something like that. They usually race for that or... Maybe priority to start where it is. Then I would do. I think I would do another rate. I would do another run. I would do, and then caution laps would count. Then I do six habits. Then I would do a, a third. I would do a forty lap run, and then forty lap run, forty laps or thirty five lap run. I guess I would say a thirty lap run around the thing as well. Caution laps do count and no overtime, and then. The last, and the All-Star Race can end under caution because that's the way it is. NASCAR rules apply. And then, of course, the last segment, I love the 10-lap dash. That's 10 laps. Green flag laps only count. We will go to overtime if necessary, but if a caution comes down on the final lap, the race is over. That's it. I think that makes total sense. Less gimmicks, more racing. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. So... I don't think it should happen, but that's my dream. Um, that's my dream all-star race opinion. But speaking of that, let's speaking of races. Of course, we're gonna end off the show by talking about the um, the Dover race because I briefly talked about it, but I did what end up going to the Dover race. Uh, this is our 15th consecutive year heading to the Dover Raceway. Um, into well heading to a race but we went to Dover Sports people for the very first time the one thing I think we've kind of like well it's four hours away from me number one the second thing is <laughs> we had to get through New Jersey and for those people who I know most people listen to the podcast they are uh, um, in a different country but if you do end up going to the United States New Jersey is the toll capital of the world so you might have to bring some spare change we had to pay I think $50 in total tolls and half of it had to go to New Jersey. So, just letting you know that now. Um, yeah, so New Jersey is the toll capital of the world. Second thing. The seats that we got were pretty good. And another thing, too, about NASCAR. The fan, the on-track attendance has increased through the first 10 races. And I think it's increased for the first 13 races. So, And that includes the All-Star Race, too, which is obviously disappointing. 
But again, fan attendance has been increasing. And they just announced the Coke 600 was sold out as well. So it's going to be very awesome to see. I'm loving to see fans back at the track, whether it's their first time they're, they're, or they've been there before or they're coming back to the sport because the new car looks really nice. It's good to see that. Um, there was a lot of people at Dover. Probably one of the biggest crowds ever. And also, to put that out there, they were bought by uh, SMI, who also owns Texas Motor Speedway, that owns New Hampshire Motor Speedway. This was their first time, and a lot of people, and they also, of course, the same prop, and they also bought because Dover owned also owned Nashville Super Speedway. So, because long story short, SMI also owns Nashville Fairgrounds, and they want to get Nashville Fairgrounds back in the Cup schedule. You know, they want to refurbish it so that they can have it. But long story short, long story short, when they were announcing that, a lot of people thought that Dover Motor Speedway's future was going to be up in the air. But the crowd attendance showed that A, it deserved a place on the schedule, and B, it deserved the racing was actually fantastic, even though it ran 70 laps and it rained. Um, and it rained and yeah. But first off, my oh my, the next gen car sounds fantastic. I I wish I could play you the sound, but I'm not gonna stop recording and do that. But I will show it in my stream, definitely. But yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, the sound's been fantastic. Um, I thought I, I felt a different environment at Dover as well because I've been going to Pocono, New Hampshire, for most of my life. So it's good to go to a new track. Um, it's too bad Dover did not have two dates. I hate it. I hate that Dover had doesn't have two dates. I know I should say this. Texas Motor Speedway should have one date, and if they had to put another date for Texas Motor Speedway. Take, and they should take Texas Motor Speedway's first date and put it with Dover Motor Speedway because I think Dover Motor Speedway deserves a second date. There's no way. And it said they said that it should have a future. It's going to have a good future, and it should be because I think Dover Motor Speedway deserves two dates better more than Texas Motor Speedway. Like, I, yeah, it was amazing. But unfortunately, because of the other thing, because of, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Maybe we could briefly talk about it as well. Um, the start time. They only got 70 laps in. And then the rains came. And this is... And if you listen to the very first episode of the podcast, I did also say this. Um, NASCAR has a problem with their TV contract. Because... I know 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern start time... You know, is the best start time for advertising. People getting the best viewership possible. I understand that. But... Here's the deal. You're on the East Coast. If you start the race at 7 o'clock, I mean 3 o'clock, typical race usually lasts 3, 3 and a half hours. You really have an, if so if it ends around 6, 6.30, you will have an hour, an hour and a half gap or leeway in case of it rains. If it rains, well, you just screwed, well, you just screwed and you can't, you can't drive the track. Well, you can't really do it. And that screws with the people in the stands. And this is, and this is, and F1 has like, you know, there's been trying to do this. And this is the same thing with the F1 spot situation. I've been saying this, I think, last year as well. Your number one audience is the people on the track, not the people that are watching it on TV. NASCAR needs to start focusing on watching, on getting their fans the best fan experience possible. 
that's what it needs. It needs to do that. The TV, I mean, like I said, TV viewership is still going up. That's good. But we need to get the fans in the track and st stands better thing. Because it's unfair for the fans, like me, fans who traveled all this way and yet not to get to see the race is something that's a little shame. Thankfully, Dover has a ticket policy. Uh, since they got bought by SMI, they have a weather guarantee policy. And I think I also said this as well in another in another podcast, but I will review it again. If you cannot make it to the original date or the rescheduled date, or if you made it to the original date, regardless of how many laps they run, if the race wasn't official, and you couldn't make it to the rescheduled date usually the next day, they will offer you a credit for next year's race or a race that's also owned by an SMI track. So luckily, thankfully, Dover got bought by SMI. We could use that tickets for New Hampshire Motor Speedway later on this season. And uh, fun fact, new, and so it usually takes about three weeks because I know this because I did it myself because we couldn't make it on Monday. And I just got a call from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway ticket office, I think, yesterday that they happened. So I will be ordering the New Hampshire tickets, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. Uh... Yeah, so that's pretty good. I think that is one of the best friendliest ticket policies there. Screw you, F1, because F1 doesn't have the best ticket policy. No way, I'm not paying two grand as well. We will talk about F1 in another show because we need to, because we need to, we need to, we need to talk about it because there's a lot of stuff that's going on there. But, um, but getting back to the track experience, I thought, like I said, they need to move up the start time. They need to, because I would say an hour. Because like I said, the unfortunate—it's not because okay, you know they started three laps like unlucky. It's that oh, it was dry the last two hours. Why were they not rushing it up to the start time so that they could get the race in? It's like they don't care. They need like that's what it needs to do. They need to bump up the start time. They need to put the yeah they need to do something about it especially because nascar is looking into the new tv deal they need to put in a flex like clause where we're allowed to flex the start time if necessary due to unforeseen events such as weather so that they can get the race in no matter what and if it does if like i said two o'clock two o'clock two thirty makes a ton of difference i'd rather have the race start at two o'clock then three o'clock, so then at least they have an hour leeway. They got to do that because, of course, last year when New when we went to New Hampshire, the race ended in pitch black. They need to do something about it. It's and like I said, New Hampshire doesn't have lights. Um, yeah. So, but Dover was a pretty interesting experience. We'll definitely look for looking forward to going there next year. Um, we're also obviously we're going to Pocono, New Hampshire later on in July. We might go to Watkins Glen in August because now since Kimi Raikkonen is going to be there and I've heard Watkins Glen's pretty good, I have to go see it for myself. So we might be going there. I'll let you guys know in just a little bit. Uh, before we get into, I guess I end, I'll leave you guys off. I'm just going to give my picks for picks for Monaco. Obviously, this is before the thing. So I'm going to give my picks for the triple thread on Sunday which is the breakfast in Monaco, the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indianapolis 500, and the Coke 600. My three picks for F1, 
I'm gonna take Max Verstappen to win in Monaco. I'm going to take, I'm just gonna pick Scott Dixon. I'm gonna pick Jimmy Johnson. I know he's an underdog. I think he's gonna get, and I, but Jimmy Johnson's got a really competitive car in Indianapolis. So I'm gonna pick Jimmy Johnson. And then I am gonna pick William Byron to win the Coke 600 in his home track. I think he's gonna start off the second half of the regular season off with a bang. I think he gets it done, but I think it's probably most likely going to be Kyle Larson or Martin Truex Jr. But again, you never know until when they race. But I think that is going to do it because I had to re-record the whole episode. So we will also talk about my college stuff. We will also talk about summer stuff. We got a lot to talk about, and I have some more time to try to do that. So I thank you all so much for listening to the episode. I know it was a little longer than usual, but I do want to make this podcast so I can get it done and over with and hopefully I get to see you guys pretty soon right now uh but once again thank once again if you are new here please like us follow us on RSS thank you to RSS for letting us do this also if you're on Spotify podcast make sure you like us at Spotify podcast that lets me know that you guys are listening to the episodes all right guys without further ado I will say so long for now and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.